Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Business Brew. This is your host, Bill Brewster. I apologize for not having a regular episode out this week. That was on me and a bit of a technical issue that precluded some compliance, but that's neither here nor there. Anyway, I recorded this episode a while ago. It's kind of been in the hopper. If you like the pod and you just kind of want to listen, I'm releasing it today. This is a golf episode. It's not investing. I enjoy golf because it's something that I constantly want to improve on it. And I was playing yesterday and I wasn't playing too well, but I was like, if I'm focused on the end result, nothing is going to go well here. So I need to focus on the process and then the results are going to come. And I think there's a lot of similarities between life and golf and investing and I'd really like for this podcast to morph into more of like the business of life. Hat tip to my man, Saurabh, for that saying. Anyway, this is a small business focused episode. I use the Ripstick. The Ripstick has really helped me and I'm hoping that I can help Dr. Luc Benoit and his company by featuring the product on this episode and If you're just here for investing or you're not here for golf at all, then we'll have an episode for you next week. But if you want to chill and listen to a a quick infomercial for a product that I believe in a lot, you know, check this out. It's not cheap, but it's good. And I like loop. So that's the pitch. And thank you all for listening. And thank you to the people that reach out and want to add positivity to my life. I really appreciate you all. You're half the reason that I do the show. I guess the other half is that I enjoy it. But I don't know. It means a lot. And there's a lot of really great people that I met through this process. And I just want to say thank you while I have your ear. All right. Have a good one. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, thrilled to be joined by Dr. Luke Benoit today. Uh, Luke, how you doing, man? I'm great. Thanks for having me on, Bill. Excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. So uh, for those that don't know... Um, Luke has founded a company uh, called, uh, I don't know if your company is Rip Golf or Ripstick Golf or what, but you, you invented the Ripstick, which uh, I am now using, and I enjoy it a lot. Uh, and I'm curious, you know, kind of how, uh, how you came about the idea, and then, uh, you know, we'll talk about how, we, how you started the company and where it's gone. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, by, by background, I, I was a player growing up, loved golf as many golf pros, uh, you know, often did as kids. And, and then I started teaching a lot. So played many tours until I was 24. So two, two years out there trying to, trying to make a living playing, which was good to kind of get some hard knocks before I started teaching um, and taught a ton of golf. And, and as I started coaching more and more elite players, I heard about this system called Super Speed. And I don't mind mentioning them as the competition because they're a great company. They, they created this line of products with three different sticks of different weights. And the research goes back, um, honestly, to baseball and track. The whole idea is kind of, it's called an overload or, or underload principle. And you might even see it in baseball. It's getting very popular where if you can throw a ball that's very light, it teaches your arm to go faster. Now, if you, if you have a heavy ball, it's going to actually increase that resistance and you'll get more angle and it actually improves your sequencing. So going heavy and light can really change the ability to create speed. So you see it in baseball, you see it in track where they're using pulleys or running downhill. So the principles are not new, but they're, they're now just being applied to golf. So the whole idea is you have three sticks of different weights and you can swing the light one really fast, you swing the heavy one, it's gonna be slower. 
when you swing that that heavier one, you work on your sequencing and you also get stronger in your arms and hands as well. So it's kind of a magic cocktail for almost everybody to gain speed going lighter and heavier in the regular way. So what I thought is I was really selling a lot of super speed to my my students, especially the lead high school kids uh, and having great results. You know, I'd get these kids starting in October training and they would pick up tons of speed. And typically 20, 30 yards is what I'd get for high school kids over the winter as they started speed training. So I thought, well, it's great, but we probably just need one stick instead of three. So it seemed like a really natural product innovation to create a rip stick that essentially you can just change the weights out very quickly, manually, and uh, and you don't have to carry around three sticks. And obviously from a consumer standpoint, simplicity is best. You know, nobody wants to carry three sticks around, and you can carry it in your golf bag um, and not have 17 uh, golf clubs, essentially. So that's that's the whole, you know, why we did it. I thought when I when I started to um to like research the product, I I was like, OK, well, you're going to want to swing heavy, like like intuitively, I thought that to build the strength. And then um I, you know, it was like, well, actually you want to swing lighter to train your body to move fast. And yeah. then, like you said, the heavier is more for sequencing, because if. I, I was I, then I started swinging lighter and I was like, OK, well, am I getting like out of position? But the heavier, I think, keeps me in position better. Um, it's it's a really it's a really interesting um, concept. And it's funny because I grew up, I always heard drive for show, putt for dough. And the more I get into the data of golf, the more flawed I think that entire discussion is. Yeah, I think I mean, we're we're on we're on a side of it a niche in the industry that is growing very fast because of the analytics that we're at the forefront of and distance is premium. So, you know, the average speed for the 18 year old kid I coach is 120 miles an hour and they hit it around 330. You know, they are smashing it. That's that's the average kid I coach these days that's going on to play college golf. That's insane. The college kids are hitting it further than the pros by and large. And typically through college from age 18 to 22, I was talking to one of the top D1 coaches and he said, typically they'll pick up, you know, six to eight, maybe 10 miles per hour in that, in those four years as well. So we're training at a fast age. You know, I've got, I've got a 16 year old that, that he's swinging at 127 and, and it's just going so far. So we train speed and also I'm, I'm interesting because I coach golf in Minnesota. So we have this very long downtime. And so we build mechanics and speed all winter long. We neglect short game and putting. You can do a little bit, but there's only so much you can do there. So it's a really interesting, uh, we're at the forefront of what we're seeing on tour two. And if you watch golf on TV, there are still tournaments where short hitters are going to compete. There always will be, but by and large, the bombers are, are doing quite well. So what, uh, I mean, you know, for like the average golfer, um, what, what do you say? Like, let's say I hit the ball, you know, 270 or whatever, and I'm looking for some extra distance. What, what should I expect out of, uh, the program? Like how long does it take? And, yeah, you know, like what, what are, what am I looking to gain? Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of talk a little bit about what you can based on where you're at, but generally like we're seeing 15 to 25 yards in two months is like typical. Um, and what we found, I've done a lot of testing. It depends a little bit on your strength profile and your mobility and just the quality of your sequencing. So let's say, Bill, you're one of those people where you're in pretty good shape and you have very, very few physical uh, limitations. So you can move your hips well, your shoulders well, and do all the stuff. And you come to golf as a fairly strong athletic person and you're not swinging that fast. You're going to pick up a ton of speed. Like there's no doubt you're going to pick it up, and especially as you do overspeed training. It can go. I had this guy that was doing 
playing track uh, in, in college, great athlete, hitting it around 245, 250. But you could tell he was very strong and he had a governor. Like he wasn't, he wasn't ready to swing hard. And a year later, he picked up like 80 yards. You know, wow. so that's an example of somebody that's getting after speed training and you can go nuts, right? Yeah. Now, on the other end of the spectrum is like a high level, a high level player that's been playing golf since they were tiny and they have a great sequence and they're already above what we predict their speed is based on their strength. So we do a, a strength profile and that is around revolves on three tests primarily. And the three tests are your vertical jump and a med ball test that's a chest pass and one that's an overhead. And with that, we've got the calculator on our website. You can plug in your, your strength numbers and predict your club head speed to a very tight range. So within probably 10%. And then within that range of 10%, that really depends on how good is your sequencing and how's your, how's your mobility. So if your hips are tight, but you're strong, we're going to have issues. And so that's where we go into the custom plans where, all right, Bill, maybe your hips are tight. So let's go ahead and address that. Once that improves, then we're going to see even more speed. But we can speed train while we do that as well. Yeah. Well, I don't know why my hips would be tight because I sit all day. So, uh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, so how do you, how do you, so you, you got the idea and, and what happens? Did you, how do you come up with the R and D? Like, how did, how did you come up with this product? Yeah. I'm lucky to have, uh, good friends and a good network that helped me create it. So one of the, one of the kids I coach who he's actually going to go play golf at Oklahoma. Um, and he's an unbelievable player. It's a, probably top, one of the top golf schools. Uh, his dad is an engineer by trade, and so we came up with the design. And we knew right away that having a very slick, easy design was so key, you know, because there's actually, when we first did it, we were one of the very first that had one stick that had three different weights. Now there's lots of competition, but I would still say we have the best product to do the job. And I think that's so key, you know, so we've got the counterweight on the end, which makes it feel balanced, actually reduces injury rates. And then like very easy. I mean, we're talking seconds to take all the weights out. So the engineering was important. Yeah. And then, and then how do you get the idea for the three holes on the bottom for the, to give you like yeah. the haptic feet or not haptic feedback, but the sound Audio. feedback. Yeah. yeah I, found, I actually found an aerospace engineer and I said, Hey, how can you make this sound cool? Huh. And he said, well, you got some options here. You can do like a whistle hole or you can do three just big long holes and that should work as well. So yeah. I like it. I think it's cool. I, d I don't have the, uh, and I, I probably just need to get it, the, um, the radar gun. Okay. So I am doing it mostly off of sound, but yeah. uh, I just think that I need to get the radar gun so that I actually know what my data is. Yeah, there is a certain amount of just when, when you're being timed or, or if somebody is there watching you or you have a radar, you probably get a little more out of it, right? Yeah. Uh, you're going to push yourself if you have feedback. And, and with every person that trains, there is a small degree of like trial and error. Like you might say, all right, what do I need to do? Let's feel the ground a little more. Let's push off the ground. And you might notice you pick up a little more speed. Um, but a lot of what I do, you know, my job is to help people basically find those power leaks. And usually they revolve around um, one of three deficiencies. Either you don't push up off the ground very well. You have poor vertical force. You have poor rotational force. Or you have poor linear force, which is, you know, transferring your weight from your back foot to your front foot. So that's where it can help to have a radar to actually try those different methods and see what you can pick up the most speed with. What does, uh, does pushing up off the ground do? I, I, uh, I work with a guy that's TPI certified and he was telling me that a lot of the big hitters actually like dip down and then push up. 
Yeah. Uh, which yeah. is so different from what uh, I was like classically trained to like not move uh, back yeah. in the day. Yeah, for sure. I think the old, I mean, people hear it all the time, like keep your head still, right? If yeah. you keep your head still, there's no way to kind of do what we call unweighting. Unweighting is when you move down into the ground so that you can actually grab the ground, use the normal force, which is pushing off the ground and rotate. So it'd be like trying to swing hard if you're in a spinning desk chair and your feet mm -hmm. are touching the ground. If you swing, there's not a whole lot to grab onto and to kind of embrace the torque of the ground, right? And so that's why using that transition. So what I'm always looking for in a good golf swing is at the top of the swing, they should move down with their chest and head until the left arm is, is about parallel to the ground. And that's when you start really feeling the push and the push up and, and around as well. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So now you now you've got this product, and then uh, what what did you what was the plan to start to get to you know move the units? It was it mostly uh, social media? Did you get it in the hands of influencers? How'd that happen? Well, it started with you know just 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 me and starting this company during the pandemic, and I had no idea if it was going to work. It seemed like a really good idea to me, but you know a lot of good ideas seem good to you, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um. So I started selling them out of my basement, shipping them myself. And at the club I work at, Interlochen Country Club, it wasn't very difficult to find 100 people that wanted to give it a try. You know, these are people that I work with that trust me. I said, hey, I got a prototype. Let's give it a go. So our first round of prototyping, you know, you make no money on it all. But yeah. you're putting them out in people's hands, getting some feedback. People liked it. They liked the holes. They liked the sound. Um, so that's where we began. And then we decided to, you know, bite the bullet and uh, get a bunch produced. Um, and from there, it was starting to grow pretty quickly as people started to see the advantage of three sticks versus one. And I think that's where we were so lucky that actually the groundwork of the industry was already done by a competitor. And as soon as that competitor, um, you know, basically like was considered inferior based on the product because it was so much easier to carry one stick, it was a pretty easy sell to consumers. Yeah. Really Did uh, when when you had to buy the first uh you know, the first slug of them or whatever. Did you fund that with your own savings or did you have a... I did, yeah. We ordered, yeah. I think we ordered 500 at first, you know, and, and you know, it's a pretty big chunk of money. And my wife was like, are you sure about this? And Yeah, this better work. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we actually ran out uh, just before Christmas time um, because we just didn't have enough and there was a bigger rush than we thought. We didn't really understand the, the really the magnitude of Q4 and what that can do for a business. Um, so we had some issues and then pandemic made it very interesting as well. Our factory shut down right in the middle of again, Q4 the next year. So wow. all those things happen. And, um, I guess you just learn along the way. It's kind of fun. Hell of a startup environment, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I got a great team. Um, it, it is so helpful to have good people to help, help you make it happen. Yeah, I've uh, I like you know your social media channel is on point. Uh, the the people that I've I've interacted with, um, I tightened mine just like a little bit too much, and they uh -huh. helped me you know quickly. Uh, it, it's been uh, it's been a nice you know very nice company to deal with. Uh, I got my buddy Drew's got one coming, so uh, we're gonna yeah. have some long drive contests in the not too distant future. But That's hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll we'll sell some around here for you. That's awesome. That's yeah. Awesome. So do you, um, I mean, are you going to, do you think the company will stay like distance focused? Is that where you're going to predominantly focus um, your attention? Well, we're going to expand a little bit. Um, we've got some really cool products coming out that will kind of complement the distance. So we'll, we'll have um, some 
we have an app that's actually, it, the beta is actually working great, but we'll launch that in a month. So what you can do, or less than a month even, you can just track your speed as you're training. And then I, I hired a guy that's really smart AI guy that's going to do the back end. And so the whole idea is I could give you a plan, Bill, and have your buddy train, and you might get slightly different plans. And we're going to compare how the training works based on theory and what we might see in your swing actually as well. So the future okay. of AI is going to be feature prominently, and I'm I'm just a big believer in 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 getting as customized as we can because every swing is different, the power sources are different, and that's where we're going to go with it. So that'll be you know part of the speed line for sure. And then I've got this uh, couple other kind of speed things. I've got a platform that's coming out. You ever heard of the wobble board where you stand on it, it wiggles? Yeah, we've got something like that, but it's going to blow the socks off the off the wobble board because we can actually create force with your feet the right way and it teaches you how to do that so it's going to be pretty cool so i'm very interested in that but then we're going to do some other stuff as well that um i just what i realized a few years ago is i just love coming up with good ideas for my students and if they're good ideas for my students they're probably going to sell so that's kind what of what is um what's what's the number one sort of uh you know i guess what I'm thinking of is when you're focused on speed, what do you what are you giving up? Like, I mean, are, do people give up accuracy when they're doing this, or yeah. like, what do people need to be mindful of? Yeah, you really can. So I would say there's a big um, divide over the idea of speed training without any concern with accuracy. And I, I'm a proponent of actually knowing enough and educating yourself on what does it take to make sure you hit it relatively straight. Because I've seen people train for two three months and not hit a golf ball. And then they go play and slice it off the planet, break 18 windows in the golf course. That's yeah. not helpful. And so you need to have some idea of what you're trying to do um, with your club path and your face angle. And so, you know, what we'll do in our, in our, really in our training videos is we, if you have swing flaws, we're going to address that while we train for speed because the body's okay. going to go to the path of least resistance. If you have a way to swing that feels really fast, but you're cupping your wrist and you're real steep on it. That's not something we want to really groove. And so we can try to swing hard, but avoid that, that, um, you know, mistake in your swing. Hmm. You know, I bought, I bought this stick and I haven't had, um, I haven't been interactive with the, uh, with the site. So maybe I need to, to get into that and start talking to you guys directly. I, I work with somebody else, but, um, sure. I, I think, um, you know, having like a plan makes a lot of sense. I've been, yeah. I've also, uh, I've gotten more into, you know, draw more circles, like the advanced, the advanced yeah. analytics, you know, yeah. it's just like a tracking app yeah. and it's frustrating when, uh, you know, I, I know I'm hitting the ball a certain distance, but then it also matters how far you are from the hole. Right. So right. Right. like you might think you're hitting it like, like I, I played Doral not too long ago and I, I bombed a shot off the tee, but I hit it the wrong way on a dog leg. Right. And it only registers on draw more circles as like a 220 yard shot. Um, it's not at the targets. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So, uh, th that has been one thing that I've been, um, mm -hmm. I don't want, I don't want to give up too much, uh, accuracy, but I, I'm also working on a swing change, so it's a mess. Yeah, no. And, and that's a, that's a common misconception. People will say, well, I'm working on my swing. Should I even do speed training? And I would say do sweet speed training while you're working on the change. Cause that's your chance to actually work on your swing without hitting a golf ball. So I did a, a really interesting study uh, a couple of years ago where we we basically looked at, you know, what are people's swing thoughts and how does how does a golf ball affect what you're trying to do? If, if you have a golf ball in front of you, people are trying to hit a good shot implicitly. So it's actually good to kind of groove a motor pattern without a golf ball. 
And I use foam balls all the time when I'm teaching, but with ripstick, you can literally just say, all right, I'm going to think about my swing, but I'm going to swing as hard as I can and then check the video to make sure it looks the way it should. And I don't have to hit a ball and mm. you can move swing fast, swing, swing change much faster. So I'm a big proponent of that sort of training. Why do you use foam balls? Just being inside of Minnesota or? Well, foam balls are great because people don't care when they hit them bad. So oh. let's say I'm trying to fix your swing and you're rattling shanks off the sidewall. You're not going to make that swing change as fast. If you don't care where that golf ball goes, which you won't because it's foam, you can actually make a better swing. And huh. I've seen on video, people will make much better swings if they don't care where the ball goes. That's really interesting. So the the when you put a ball in front of people, they get so focused on the outcome that maybe they uh, they stop worrying about the process as much. Exactly. So that's the benefit, and that's like why winter golf in Minnesota is so great. I have five months to absolutely break people down and create a whole new swing that's so much better than the previous swing. But you can't do that with a real ball because they're trying to hit shots. I might have a kid grind for an hour a day with nothing but a foam ball for a full month. And their swing is completely different. They have shaft lane, they hit it much lower, they get the face closed, they have a good, you know, rotation. And they come out and they're like absolutely astonished at how pure they hit it. Um, because they don't have to go through that monkey phase of hitting a lot of balls and feeling it go all over and care where it goes. And then you regress back to your old pattern. So interesting. I, yeah, I, I would have thought just like intuitively, you know, you want to be on the most accurate simulator so that you know where things are going, but maybe that actually precludes your mind from learning what you're supposed to learn. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole question is, what are you trying to change? Are you trying to hit that next shot better or are you trying to build a better swing for the future? Right. Mm. And they're just they're mutually exclusive. So I would train people on a spectrum of skill and technical so if you're if you're trying to go play good at Bay Hill next week, like we're not going to do foam balls. We're going to try to make sure you hit it in the middle of phase and manage your bias, make sure you're not missing way right. That sort of stuff would be more important. But if you have a couple months, we have plenty of time to put the put the wheels back on the thing, and we can go ahead and just work on the swing. Yeah, I th I think that's uh I I don't know why, but I'm drawing such a metaphor for life out of it. Where you know I mean probably because I think golf is life at the end of the day, but uh. It's interesting how how being concerned with the result can impact the ability to go through the process correctly, where yeah. if you go through the process correctly, you know where you're going in the long term is going to be better than a bunch of short term fixes. You got it. And, and I can I can usually judge my job is to train people to kind of understand that process. But you can tell within 10 minutes if somebody's going to be process oriented. But if I get rid of that real ball, it is so much easier to get them. And I, I have a big chart, which is my teaching philosophy, I'm actually writing a book on that. Uh, about how to train both the skill and the technical because the timelines are completely different. The attention focus is completely different. And I think people really struggle with that with golf because they're always trying to hit good shots. You know, even if you tell them, all right, try to try to close your face. Well, they'll do that, but they'll also try to hit a good shot. And that's a problem, right? Hmm. So what, uh, what, do you mind expanding on the book you're writing? Yeah. Um, so the, the whole idea is really you have to get really good at uh, understanding the challenge zone. So the challenge zone is like where people learn fastest. So Miss Havocamp, for instance, Miss Havocamp shoots the exact same score every time she goes out. It's 110. She's been playing golf for well over 10,000 hours, but she's terrible at golf because she hasn't had any deliberate practice. And I would say Miss, Miss Havocamp probably just wants to get the ball in the hole, but she doesn't ever think about technique. She doesn't take lessons. So what you need to do is go ahead and break it down and do the technical side. But when you do go technical, 
you need to limit the feedback. And what I mean by that is, again, don't use a real ball. And you don't need to do variable practice. So if, if I'm working on your swing and we're breaking it down, I'm not going to have you hit a hybrid and then fade a three wood and then go trap seven iron. I'm not going to add variability while you're doing it. So we're doing all these things to scale down and focus on simple block practice while we're breaking down your mechanics. Because if you, I try to do more than that, you literally can't even hit the ball at all. That makes sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. So we're going to try to keep it simple on the technical side with block practice. And our feedback goes completely towards video and kinematics. So I'm going to have the force played out. We're going to see how your feet are working. We're going to know exactly uh, what your swing looks like in video. And we're going to grind on that for a series of weeks where we actually just totally focus on mechanics. One club, just grind, grind, grind. Now, on the other end is where you're trying to get ready for tournament golf, where you go towards the skill side. And if all you do with skill side is hit seven irons and try to get them grouped really close together, you might get a little bit better at seven irons, but that's not how golf is played because you got to switch clubs a lot. Yeah. When we're going skill side, we're going external focus, thinking a lot about our targets, but we're also training with a lot of variability, switching clubs, switching shapes, you know, curving it right, left, hitting it high, low, and doing a lot of different shots. So for chipping and putting, a lot of variety would be super key. You're working your way around the hole, doing clock drills, uphill, downhill. And there's so much evidence that that makes you much better than doing the same shot over and over for that side of it. Yeah, so, that makes sense. That's the whole idea. And everybody explained it to us like, yeah, it makes sense. But nobody's kind of put it into a, a plan. Do you uh, do you need to have the I, I assume you need to have like that the block. Uh, you got to have the, the technique down in order to be able to to improve the skills. Right. It, yeah. You couldn't do one without the first. It, yeah. I mean, let's say your swing is, you know, an octopus falling out of a tree. I don't want to build skill on on a you know terrible swing. Right. Yeah. So I think that's exactly it. Like there's a certain amount of let's go make sure technique is reasonable and then let's go skill. Now your timeline could say, well, hey, I'm playing the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am next week. Uh, I need to go skill mode. Well, then we're just going to work with what you have because you got to be ready. Yeah. So it's all about understanding periodization and going back and forth on that challenge curve of what we need to do based on your timeline. And, and what I train my athletes to do, my golfers to do is get really good at understanding how to go from a very cluttered mind where you're thinking mechanics. And again, we don't care where the golf ball goes to simplifying and just being externally focused on the course one shot or, you know, where am I aiming? What am I trying to do with the golf ball? Don't think about your swing on the course. And everybody knows that implicitly, you know, that feeling of being in your head, trying to think about eight things. You can't hit a shot, right? Yeah. So it makes sense uh, when you think about it. And then you just got to get good at going between the two mindsets well, so that you can go train and then go score. Yeah. Oh man, I have so far to go. Uh, what are you this, sure? How's your game? Uh, I mean, right now I'm a four, but uh, yeah. if you look at like my last, my last uh, six rounds are all in the eighties, and I don't, okay. I don't want to be. I mean, I don't, I don't want to say like I want to be a scratch because I know what that entails, but I, do, I do want to consistently be able to walk onto different courses and shoot in the seventies. Sure. Um, and I just know I, I stopped playing for seventeen years and I picked it up. Wow. So were you and a I, high school or college guy? Yeah, I was. I was fairly competitive in high school. I went out to uh, Arizona of all places to qualify for the national junior, which is like the dumbest place on earth to go qualify. <laughs> There's some serious <laughs> right there. Yeah, yeah, man. I shot seventy five, and I thought, you know, okay, well, I should be able to, you know, get here in the middle. I I, I didn't think late in the day, you know, but I was like, oh, that's an okay score, and I came in, and I was in like a hundred and tenth. <laughs> and they were like, you need to be here. You're like first off the tee tomorrow. Uh, 
so that was a real gut punch. Uh, yeah. And I decided to maybe not take it so seriously. And I focused on uh, my social life a little bit more for a while after that. Then I moved to Chicago and I don't know, man, living in the city and playing golf was a tough combo. It's hard. Well, I'm glad you're back into it. And I think, you know, you probably, even though you're a four and you're a disappointed four, you think about how much better you would be uh, or, or are than you would have been if you had had to play as a kid, right? It was so much easier to pick it back up. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know what I am? I'm a four that like, if you're my partner and we're, we're playing somebody and I have to say I'm a four out loud, like that embarrasses me. I, I, I can play to a seven, you know, but like, I feel like I'm a four that lets their partner down all the time. And that's upsetting. Well, so yeah, well, at least you're an honest four. You're not a bagger. That's for sure. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but I do, I do notice like I have a couple more scores that I need to get I need to get a few off the uh, off the yeah. gin app before I think I could be trued up, or or I need to get better. Yeah, um, on, right. Nice. Yeah, and I've I've uh, I've just had some I've had some problems. I my I think it is a function of flexibility. I, I just don't get far enough back. Um, okay. So, you know, we'll see. But I I have really enjoyed your product, and I I do think like there's just something about how elegant it is as a solution. I like the fact that all three weights just come out and go back in. And that sound I think is like a great, uh, I I've swung like weighted balls and stuff. I, I just, I think the sound is like a, a really awesome addition. So congrats on building out like, uh, you know, something awesome. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's been fun. And, um, you know, we're enjoying some good success. We got like a bunch of tour pros using it. And as you mentioned, like, it's it's finally out there which was the whole goal and and uh yeah it i think people enjoy the golf when they hit it farther like bottom line it's just more fun to be a little longer so it's it makes the game much more enjoyable yeah for sure right all of a sudden i got a nine iron and not a seven iron and then i can you know hit it closer how did you get into the into tour bags did you give them like did you send them to people and say try these out or was it something yeah. that just happened organically I mean, it was it was alarmingly easy to just find them on social media and just say, hey, let's uh, can we get one in your can we send one to you? Right. Yeah. And so most people were interested because they already knew the concept. Again, we're you know, we're not on the frontier here. We're, we're chasing a, a, a previous entrant in the field. So that helped. Um, and then, you know, like you never know if it's used, but a guy like Bill Mickelson's using it. They, he's using it to warm up and, you know, it makes a great sound. So pretty soon it's in a live commercial. And we didn't, you know, you don't even know how that happens. Um, yeah. And then who was it? Uh, Ian Poulter's warming up with it in the Ryder Cup. Loves it. You know, just ordered a couple off our site, which is great. You know, it's it's just fun to have it out there. And people appreciate the, the elegance and the ease of, easy, easy, ease of use of it. It's got to be so rewarding to have a product that you design that is adopted by guys at that level and that are like using them you know, and then, and then see it in a, a commercial like that. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's uh, mind blowing. I mean, I didn't, when I started the company, I didn't really imagine that, that we would actually have the best product in the, in the niche, but I think we do. So how are you managing growth? Like next year, um, how are you planning on your working yeah. capital needs and stuff like that? I mean, we're going to have to hire more people and we're also just expanding to, to have more products, which will be fun. And, and, um, and I've got all these ideas. So, you know, I, I've got I've got ADHD. My mind goes like all over and I just love the creative side of it. And so I need a team that's really helpful for me to kind of manage that all. But I get to do the creative stuff I do, which is build products and, you know, build training plans for people. 
and I've got an unbelievable team to make it all kind of work together. So it's fun. Who was employee one? Uh, Scott McDonald, who's my childhood friend. Scott nice. and I uh, grew up together playing, and um, Scott's become quite a, quite a good player. There was a time where I would just smoke him. So when we graduated high school, or when we graduated college, I was a you know plus four point six or something, ready to go play the mini tours. That was good. That's and so Scott good. was he was like a three or four handicap, you know. So we'd go play, and I'd beat him by eight or ten. And now he's better than me because I work, wow. and he plays a lot. So he's gotten to be a, a, a heck of a player. It's awesome. Good for him. And is he more the execution guy? You're you're kind of with the ideas yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, he's great at just making it the day to day happen. So I think that's important to have a team that works together really well like that. Yeah, a hundred percent. You can't have two people that are you know. I, I I've said it before with what I do. I I think I'd be much better at like fundraising, and I need somebody that does the execution side of things. I don't think I'm. I, I know I don't get joy out of the execution side of things. Yeah, so you get it. I get it. Find your niche and stick to it. Right. Yeah, that's right. And it's something that not everyone can do. Right. So right. You might as well stick to what you're good at. Right. right. Very sure. cool. Well, man, I mean, you know, if you want to keep chatting, I'll keep chatting. But uh, if you just want to keep it at a 30 minute infomercial, I'm totally down to do that for Ripstick. I, uh, I really appreciate what you guys have created. And, uh, you know, thank you. No, for for sure. Uh, and, and let us know if you want to get a radar so you can get some feedback on it. We've got them. Uh, we'll send you one over so you can train and have some feedback. That'll help. And All then right, the cool. Apps, the apps coming out. That'll keep track of your progress and motivate you a little bit more. Yeah. Are you going to have, so with the app, are you going to offer like coaching on an ongoing basis to people that want to use it? Yeah. Yeah, we do. So I do a, a free swing assessment for every single purchase, which keeps me busy just doing those. You know, it takes me a couple minutes, but it can be as simple as, hey, you know, watch this in your swing. You're a little over the top. Just watch it while you're training. Uh, or also it can be just like there's a clear power leak and so I'll target that. And then and then I offer ongoing coaching to anybody that wants that as well if they wanted to set up a coaching package as well. All right, cool. And where can people find your product? Yeah, ripstick.com. Ripstick is spelled with a Y, R-Y-P-S-T-I-C-K. All right, sounds good, man. Uh, you know, come back when you release your book. I'll read it and then we'll chat okay. about it. That sounds great. Thanks for having me on, Bill. All right. Thanks for coming on.